Henley, what's your favorite animal? Tiger. What? What's your favorite color? Green. Green? Yellow and blue makes what color? Pink. What? <laughs> Yellow and blue makes? Green. Good job. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Hey, hey, hey. We are back. Yes, we are back from a stellar episode last week, if I do say so myself. Oh my goodness. I can't believe the amount of buzz that that podcast episode got. If you haven't listened to the last episode, we answered all your assumptions and People Magazine, I guess they (laughs) read it, listened to it. I don't know. And and yeah, I mean, we've gotten in there a couple of times for some of the previous episodes, but I think people really like just the raw, real answers. And I don't don't think many people that are in the public throw a question out there like that, or what are your assumptions of me? Well, it's actually, no, Doug, actually it's kind of popular and that's what made me think of it. Yeah. I saw someone else do it and I was like, I wonder what people's assumptions of us are. And I wasn't ready for it though. Other people, I feel like their assumptions are like way nicer than the assumptions (laughs) people had of us. (laughs) I think it depends on the time frame. Like if we threw this question out there mid season one of Mary at first sight, people would probably have been a lot harsher. Oh my gosh. Or more really harsh. I don't, I don't think harsher is a good word. Well, right. what's the difference between harsher and more harsh? <laughs> I don't think harsher is a word. Oh, so you're just trying to low-key yeah. correct your grammar. But the idea also came because we love reading your five-star reviews and all of your reviews, whether it's through Instagram or just even leaving a review on the podcast page. So this week, because we always love giving a shout out, comes from Amber Welch 23, who writes, keeping it real. Jamie and Doug, keep it real. We need more of that. We plaster on these faces that don't even begin to show our true character. I appreciate how raw they are about parenting, marriage, sex specifically, and everyday life challenges. Jamie is so pure, kind, and is filled with genuine gratitude and love for others. I appreciate content like this. I mean, that's an amazing, amazing compliment. That was the sweetest review slash like shout out to us. Thank you so much. Amber Welch, I wish we could be friends. I wish you were my neighbor because you seem like such like a kind-hearted person yourself. And I could use more of that in my life. But And while we're on the topic, though. Yeah. We have big news. You know, I guess because of all these assumptions and not going to lie, like, A couple of people have said through Instagram and stuff, they are saying, you know, you never know when it's like your last moment with anybody, really. Like that seems so morbid, but it's so true. Just today, actually, someone sent me another thing. And I think it's about the fact that I haven't connected with you and I haven't had sex with you. And I guess, you know, we have been honest about it. And so someone sent me something today and no joke, like I just read it. It was basically like this woman was complaining that her husband wanted chili. And she's like, oh, I don't want to make chili for my husband. Like, I just don't feel like it. And her friend was like, yeah, I really wish I had my husband still here because her husband had died, Uh, who was like to beg me to make chili. And I wish I didn't feel like it, but just did it anyways. And she was like, girl, go home and make the chili because you're lucky you have your husband. Wow. And I don't know, like it really made me think about that. And I was like, maybe I'm not in the mood to have sex. Maybe I don't feel 
sexy or whatever, but I'm like, I'm so lucky that I have you next to me. They really like spoke to me. And so I was like, you know what? I might not be in the mood, but I'm just so fortunate that my husband, A, is attracted to me and wants to have sex with me and B, that you're here and that you haven't, you know, that sounds so morbid, but that you haven't passed. And like, I'm so lucky that I'm able to have sex with my husband, you know? And so anyways, ladies, I had a glass of champagne and (laughs) I like took a long shower and I was like, Douglas, do you want Mm -hmm. to come to bed and lay naked together? And boy, did we ever lay naked together. You'll have to excuse the pause while Jamie breastfeeds Hendrix. This is becoming like an every podcast thing. I haven't had a nurse him on a podcast in forever. No, I'm talking about like him just making a noise during it. I kind of love it. I mean, you know, so it's literally midnight right now. Gracie's asleep and we just tend to enjoy a podcast at night, like when the babies are in bed. But inevitably, Hendrix, you, my dear, always seem <laughs> to wake up, don't you? And so I'm literally nursing him right now in bed as we podcast in bed. And we I'm actually, on the floor. yeah, we actually made a YouTube video of the assumptions podcast from last week and that's going to be on our YouTube channel which is also called Hot Marriage Cool Parents (laughs) and you can see our setup for like the podcast if you want to see like behind the scenes of how we're podcasting but anyways multiple people were like girl you know like even if you don't feel like it just do it and that sometimes just doing it helps you feel like it I love this audience (laughs) I have the best girlfriends on Instagram and I guess through the podcast yeah we need more comments like that no well this is the thing. It is kind of true. And I think the longer I was waiting, the more insecure and shy I got about wanting to have sex. And also, holy moly, it wasn't about my body per se. I think that a lot of people took that wrong and like assumed that because I don't feel attractive that they assumed that I meant because I have a post-baby body, which is, I guess, a good assumption. But honestly, it really isn't that. Like it's mentally, I have not been, I hate to say the word stable, but like it's true. Like I just haven't felt stable mentally. Like my brain is just foggy since I've had this baby and I just feel overwhelmed. I feel defeated kind of. I don't know. Like, I can't explain it, but... I think it's postpartum depression. I guess, obviously, right? But, like, with that is where I don't feel attractive at all. Like, I just don't even feel like myself. I don't feel sexy for so many reasons. But anyways, the point of the story is that we finally had sex, and we had it twice, actually. Yeah. That's a good point. I like was honestly kind of like scared of having sex again. And I was scared A, it was going to hurt because with Gracie, the doctor really did stitch me up too much. And Doug couldn't even like fit inside me. That's TMI, but you know, that's who we are. Yeah. I think even then it was like, it took us, I want to say like four months to where you weren't hurting after Henley. Having sex. Yeah, when we had sex. It was just you either having to drink a lot to forget about it. No, like I feel like when you drink, it numbs the pain. Like it's almost like girls, you know, like when you're young, I don't know, young or older, if you're still doing it, not judging, but you go out and you're wearing these heels and they're so cute and they like are killer with your outfit, but they kill your feet. And so tell me about it. Then like you have like a couple beers or a couple glasses of wine or whatever your choice of drink is. And then all of a sudden your feet don't hurt anymore. And it's like, oh, I feel like liquor numbs the pain. You know, like obviously I had a good sex drive for the most part, I think after having our daughter Henley, 
but it would hurt. And so I would just drink so that I wouldn't feel it so much in the moment. And then later on, of course, I would be like, yep, that still hurts. (laughs) You know, and the doctor did tell me that essentially the best thing I could do to fix that issue that I had was have another baby. Which is a very weird thing to say. Yeah, it is a really weird thing. Basically like rip yourself open again and I won't sew you up as, as much. But anyways, I guess I was just very nervous to have sex because it did hurt, you know, after having Gracie. And so I was like, is it going to hurt? Like, also, Hendrix tore me to shreds as well. I remember, Doug, you even looked down there with me. I was like, I don't look normal downstairs. Like, it looked like things were protruding, I mean, at one point. Yeah, it didn't look like what it was supposed to. Yeah, it didn't look like a vagina. Like, okay, this is also like so TMI, but it's also, I feel like it's important to be TMI and to share this type of thing because I can't be the only one with Well, technically you're a nurse, so it could be educational. Or well, medical. I think I think it's medical and educational. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us ladies to be honest about these types of things. And maybe you don't want to be in particular with yourself and you don't feel comfortable. But I mean, I feel comfortable. I don't really I don't really mind. I guess maybe because I am a nurse, but like Well, teach his own. Yeah. And so I think it's important for those of us who feel comfortable sharing the quirks and weirdness and things of that nature. I think we should because I bet you this is normal and maybe I feel like it's abnormal because no one ever talks to me about it. Like no one else has ever said, yeah, my vagina was shred to pieces as well. <laughs> and I had troubles having sex as well or I had no libido as well. Well, speaking on that though, do you have any tips about getting to that point? What do you mean? Like having a libido? Or just like physically being ready, like after feeling kind of down or unattractive. I got to be honest. I got to be really, really honest and tell you that my biggest tip is that it's not like I like woke up and was like, yep, I have a libido now and I feel sexy now and I'm ready. Honestly, the tip was that I love my husband. I love you, Doug, so much. I love you. And I don't know. I guess it really sunk into me when someone said, you're lucky that you have a husband there. And also like, if you don't feel sexy, just do it anyways. And then sometimes if you're in the action of being intimate, that makes you feel sexy. And that kind of like gets the party started for you as far as like endorphins and, you know, feel good hormones and things of that nature. And I can't say that these tips are mine because I actually got these from my girlfriends. You know, I wish I could remember everyone's handles, but um, they had reached out to me and told me these things. And so I was like, okay, I guess just do it. It's almost like when you don't feel like working out, but like once you're on the treadmill for five minutes, you're like, okay, this isn't so bad. And then and you, you feel great after. And you do feel great after. And honestly, it's kind it of It always funny. happens that way though. It really does. And so we had sex last night and all day today, I was just so giggly and happy. And I literally thought to myself, I wonder if it's because I had sex last night. Like, I mean, everything was making me laugh and like nothing was really that funny. <laughs> Until the end of the day. What? What happened to the end of the day? <laughs> no, in the car. You were just so annoyed oh. for whatever reason. I know. Well, Doug, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. I'm, I'm just, trying my best. No, I'm just saying you pushed through. And I think it's just getting yourself to that point and then being in the action that can get you in the mood. Yeah. So needless to say, I have not conquered anything over here. I am being gentle on myself and loving myself as is. But if I was to give any tips in the midst of my struggle, I would say, A, maybe whatever your struggle may be, like look at it differently and almost have gratitude that you have the struggle because some people would love to have the struggles that we have. And then B, maybe just go through the actions and then eventually the emotions will follow. And I don't mean that And I do not mean like just have sex and go through the actions because 
that's not what I mean. I hope you understand what I'm saying. With the right person. Yeah, and like with love, of course, and never feel like you have to have sex. Like I feel like, I don't know, someone who suffered from like sexual abuse as a child, I feel like I have to like give that disclaimer. You know, of course, never just do it. But you know what I'm saying. I feel like you get what I'm saying. I hope you get what I'm saying. Yes. Okay, and on that note, I also just kind of wanted to touch on body positivity because I am the biggest I've ever been in my life. I weigh, well, I weighed, you know, the peak was 170 and I'm like 165 now. It's not like I've lost a ton of weight or anything, but I'm not 170 anymore. So there's that. And, you know, I don't fit into any of my clothes and I definitely- kind of do though. Well, I had to buy all new clothes. No joke. (laughs) Except my leggings. I mean, gotta love leggings. Those bad boys. (laughs) They stretch. (laughs) Speaking of that, we have an amazing sponsor. We'll tell you guys about our sponsor later, but Sweaty Betty, I really do recommend these leggings. But anyways, I just wanted to say for everybody out there listening that it doesn't matter. It truly doesn't matter what size you are to your kids. Like if you have children or even your friends or your dog or your fur baby, your cat. I mean, because a lot of people have been like, oh, how are you so body positive and how are you so confident to wear a bathing suit at the beach. And honestly, and a lot of people are asking for tips for that as well. And I just want to say that my biggest tip is that, again, just do it. And also look in the mirror. Okay. Like stand naked. This is kind of like a very intimate, private thing to do, but just stand in front of a mirror. And it doesn't have to be a full length mirror if you're not ready for that yet. That's a daily thing that I do. But I'm saying like stand naked in front of a yeah. mirror and look at yourself. And Doug, this could be, I'm mean, honestly, I've cried doing this before because it's at such a intimate moment with yourself. And I don't think anybody takes the time to be intimate with themselves. And I don't mean in a sexual way, but in just like a loving and like valuing yourself. Is that a word? Valuing? Um, I think it's appreciating. Okay, that works. But no, seriously. So just kind of get naked and like be private, close the door and just look at yourself in the mirror and really look at yourself. Take in all of your wrinkles, take in your folds, your rolls, your cellulite. And as you see each one, I mean, for me, at least when I first started doing this, I would kind of like sigh a little bit and be like, oh, you know, just not, this is what society deems ugly or unfit. And slowly just say, I love you. And like, look at your wrinkle and just say, I love you. And like, look at your belly roll and say, I love you and touch it and like, love it for real, because this is the one body that you have. I feel like society sends us these airbrushed images consistently, whether it be on TV, whether it be in magazines, and it leaves us mere mortals, us humans who aren't in magazines or on TV, which obviously I guess I am, but you know what I'm saying. It leaves us feeling like our bodies that have wrinkles and blemishes and lumps and bumps and and rolls, it leaves us feeling like we aren't good enough. And the truth of the matter is, is there is good lighting on TV, there's airbrush for magazines, and every single person that you see that looks, quote unquote, so perfect it really isn't that perfect. I mean, they just know how to cover their flaws up. And so I guess that would be my biggest tip is to just like get naked, look at yourself in the mirror and just tell yourself you love you. And if you don't feel it, like at first I didn't really feel it, but slowly you kind of do start to feel it. And like, then you just, you look at the lump and bumps and touch them, like rub your cellulite and be like, I love you. And make sure you lock the door before you do that. (laughs) 
Because me walking into someone hugging their rolls and their folds and talking Doug, to it, I, it would just need an explanation. No, I don't think it does though. Like truly though, like I get it. I get what you're saying, but that should be a daily thing and it shouldn't be awkward and it shouldn't be abnormal. And I don't know. So I hope that that gives you some sort of comfort. I hope that helps you feel comfortable in your own skin as well. That's like what's worked for me. And don't get me wrong, it's still an ongoing battle. Like I'm definitely not a little misconfident over here, like strutting my stuff with all my lumps and bumps and rolls. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. And it's okay that I'm not strutting my stuff and feeling so confident every single day. But the fact that I feel confident at all ever is like seriously a huge win because when I was younger and really fit. I never thought that I was fit. I thought I was chubby. And it's just like, man, it's just sad that it's like that in life. So anyways, I think that you guys get my drift. I think we should also bring on our amazing guests. Yes, They are incredible. They're the speech sisters. And we're just going to bring them right on because if your little one struggles with speech problems, or if you know anybody who does, or if you just want to help your baby learn how to communicate in a faster way, you're going to absolutely love these guests. And if this is not your thing, totally get it, girl. If you haven't listened to the last episode, definitely go back and listen to that one because I think you'll find that one very, very interesting. But if you are a mama or if you are interested in speech sisters, ladies who are speech pathologists, then definitely... definitely. I think it's time to bring them on. Yeah, we'll bring them on. Yeah. All right, guys. So we have Brooke and Bridget. They're sisters, speech therapists, and mommies to their own kiddos. And they're our guests today. In 2012, the sisters opened up their private practice for speech therapy in California. And in 2018, they started an Instagram account to help parents help their kiddos develop their language and communication skills. And let me just tell you, their page has exploded, especially since COVID. And now parents are trying to like homeschool their kids. And we're like, what do we do? We have no idea. Welcome, Brooke and Bridget. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, right up from the top, I feel like we have to differentiate who you ladies are. Like, can you guys say, I'm Brooke, I'm Bridget? Because you're almost like twins on the podcast. I know, and our voices are very similar, but I'm Brooke and I'm Bridget. And just so everybody knows, I'm Doug. And I'm Jamie. Uh, No, but thank you so much for coming on because I feel like toddlers in speech, no matter how great of a mom you are, it can be an issue for anyone. And so I know that this is going to be a very, very popular podcast. And I know that a lot of mamas need help or, you know, they just want to learn different ways to help their child be able to communicate, especially when, I mean, I'm already like dreading that stage where Hendrix, he's only four months old now, but you know, when he's like in between being able to say a sentence or anything really, but he knows what he wants to say, it's like, how can I... I help him just tell me what he needs, you know, to avoid that scream. Um, exactly. So I think it's so cool that you guys have started your own practice together as sisters. I would love to hear right from the get go, what made the two of you want to do this together? You know, we both ended up becoming speech and language pathologists and we lived on different coasts. I lived on the East Coast. This is Brooke and Bridget was on the West Coast and we're originally from Massachusetts. Yes. And then Bridget was out in California and my husband got a job offer out here 10 years ago. And I thought, you know, let's do it. Let's make the move and go. And so we did. And Bridget and I were both working as SLPs in schools and school setting. And we kind of thought, 
well, let's switch it up a bit. Let's start a private practice, see what happens. And, you know, we did it very part-time at first, and then it became more and more. And as we started our own families and had our own children, it was actually a better way for us to work because it gave us more flexibility. And in our private practice, you know, we had a main concentration on early intervention and really started working with a lot of families who had children who were late to talk. So kiddos who seemed to be understanding language, but just weren't saying as many words as they could for their age. And what we did in our therapy is got parents involved in that therapy treatment plan. And that's kind of how our idea for this Instagram platform came about is we just saw the success in getting parents on board in, you know, building their child's language during their everyday routines that they're already doing. And we thought, you know what, we can reach more families than just, you know, in the walls of our town. Sure. And that's what we did. And let me ask you something, because you, you had mentioned a topic that is personal within my family about someone that's maybe late to talk, whether it's a son or daughter, but what is a good age? Or I guess, what are the first sort of milestones and how long would it be for you to consider someone late to talk? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, there are milestones that we look for within communication, really starting from the time a baby is very young, you know, even as early as a couple months old. And this would just be, you know, when they're that little, are they looking at you? Are they locating sounds? Are they paying attention to things that they hear? Maybe making their eyes will move to locate a sound. And for like a late talker, yeah, that would be a little bit closer to like those 18 month milestones. So for an 18 month old, for expressive language, we want to make sure a child's at least saying about 10 words. And for 24 months, usually, you know, we want a child saying a minimum of 50 words. And this has actually been one of our biggest posts on Instagram is this chart we created called how many words should my child say? And we also have a blog on this. And the reason this has been such a big hit is I think as speech language pathologists, we tend to quote a little bit more of the average for an age group. And that's a little bit higher of a number than the 10 and 50 words that I just explained. Many pediatricians will state the milestone. And what we found is parents are hearing like these conflicting numbers. And they're like, well, my pediatrician said at 18 months, my child should be saying 10 words. But I talked to a speech language pathologist and they said 50 words. Like who is right here? Yeah, that's confusing. The truth is, is that there is a range. Like There is not one specific number. Children develop at their own pace and all children are different. So we kind of coined the term the expected range and we show like this chart that your child may be anywhere between that milestone, which indicates approximately what 90% of that given age group is able to do and you know, the average, which is a little bit more like 50% of that age group. Now, let me ask you something real quick, because as a parent, there is so many things to worry about, to do just everything going around the house. And especially now with a newborn, I mean, my brain is scattered. Um, I don't know any parent that would actually count the number of words that a kid is saying. How how do you easily do that or quantify that? Because my daughter knows a lot of sounds and words, but I couldn't even guess how many to say. Yes. 
Definitely. And I think a lot of parents feel the same way. So usually what we say is that when you feel kind of like how you just described, like my daughter says lots of words and I don't even know how I would begin to count them. Most of the time, your child is right where they should be if you're able to say that. So usually it's when a parent is concerned that their child is saying very minimal words. Then you start counting. That is what brings up, you know, the worry. And when they're actually able to count them on one or two hands, you know. Or if a child like at age two isn't starting to combine two words together, like bye mama or more milk, then it's a little more obvious that a child may need that early intervention help. Okay, so now that we're there and we figured out that maybe this child might need intervention, what do you recommend a mom or a dad can do for their child at that point? I mean, the given is obviously see one of you ladies who specialize in language, but what is like something that, you know, parents can do to help their child, maybe even if they're a little bit before needing a speech language pathologist, you know, like what is something that they can do? Well, actually, before we get to that question, and while we're on the topic of kiddos, I do want to mention Jonas Paul Eyewear. For any parents out there that have kiddos between the ages 4 to 16, Jonas Paul Eyewear specializes in glasses for kids, and especially for anyone that's experiencing more screen time or looking at a tablet or Zoom calls, every pair of Jonas Paul Eyewear, both prescription and non-prescription, have blue light blocking lenses that are available. And their prescription lenses start at just $79, including the prescription lenses. And for any parents and kids that just don't want to go to the store or go to an eyeglass place where you wait on lines, you have to worry about picking and choosing a pair of glasses within the 30 minutes that you're there, Jonas Paul Eyewear offers a home try-on kit that's only a dollar where it allows you to try on your glasses for an entire week and just order everything online. Jonas Paul's mission is to help kids feel beautiful and confident in their glasses. So for any parents that have kids between the ages of 4 to 16, definitely check them out. You can use our promo code COOLPARENTS15. When you go to JonasPaulEyewear.com, you'll save 15% off. Use the code COOLPARENTS15 at JonasPaulEyewear.com. That's COOLPARENTS15 for 15% off. You know, and speaking of not wanting to go to the store, Jamie and I have been trying to furnish our Florida home and going to a lot of thrift stores, but also looking up online and actually buying a couple pieces of furniture from just people out in the community. And I never realized how easy it was to use PayPal to pay somebody. You know, things may have changed around us, but, you know, there still is a way for us to be there for people, be there for the people that we care about. And if you've used the PayPal app before, it's sending and receiving money, which is now faster and easier through the PayPal app. You can stay connected with the people you love, anybody out there there that is also looking to give charitable donations or just support their local community, make a touch-free QR code payment at your favorite local restaurant, farmer's market, donate to a local nonprofit or a cause from across the country. PayPal is making it easy to pay safely, quickly, and easily. Download the PayPal app today. Terms and conditions apply. It's definitely a great way to stay connected with the people that you love. Quickly and securely send money to friends, family, just about anywhere, whether it's starting a money pool, splitting a bill, or just going in on a gift or a fundraiser. Again, pay safely, quickly, and easily. Download the PayPal app. Terms and conditions apply. And before we get back to the speech sisters, I do want to talk about your butt. My butt? Yeah. 
because I've been trying to dress up each day, but I just fail. Um, and it's just... No, you don't. Well, it's easier to wear comfy clothes. And you were wearing those sweaty Betty pants and your butt <laughs> looks amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So for over 20 years, sweaty Betty's five-star rated power leggings have helped women crush their workouts. And if I might say so myself, look pretty darn good while they're doing it. No, I think it's because their seam line, like on the butt, it's kind of down lower. And so it makes your butt look like perky. But yeah, so they're quick drying and pocket equipped. These leggings are high-waisted performers. Take their quiz at sweatybetty.com to find your perfect style and choose from a wide selection of strategically cut patterns. That's what I'm saying. Like they have like the seam right above the butt and it makes your butt look perky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, now through November 1st, get 20% off your entire purchase when you visit sweatybetty.com slash HMCP. This is the best offer Sweaty Betty has available anywhere. So take advantage. And like I said, I mean, these are amazing leggings and you deserve to look amazing before, during, and after your workout. Or if you're just lounging around the house, like that's when I wear yeah, them. You look good. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, you can get 20% off your entire purchase at sweatybetty.com slash HMCP. And that's only until November 1st. So go to S-W-E-A-T-Y-B-E-T-T-Y.com slash HMCP. Get yourself your new favorite pair of like lounge leggings or workout leggings or... Or make your husband go crazy leggings. Okay, that too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the speech sisters. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great question. And actually, like the reasons that we created our courses and our Instagram platform, we just want parents to feel empowered and a little bit more confident about what they can do. And like you said, even how can they be proactive, you know, before their child gets there? And what we realized, you know, Bridget and I, we have five kids between the two of us and all of our children were early talkers. And our friends would say, gosh, like, what are you guys sitting down and doing speech therapy with them? <laughs> and no. No, we weren't at all. We just knew how to talk to our kids with the intent of building their language. And that was all built into our daily routines. No extra time was carved out to teach them anything. And we thought, gosh, we can teach parents this because this is really not that hard. Yeah. It's just knowing how to talk to your little ones, you know, with that intent. But if your child is not meeting the milestones and you really are concerned, definitely the first step we usually say is to reach out to your pediatrician and usually they can guide you as to you know, finding a speech and language pathologist in your area, or if you want to go directly to a speech and language pathologist, is it the CDC? What's yeah, the, the CDC has a great resource on their website for that. Or you can plug in your state and even I think your town or your county, and then they'll give you like a list of places to call like early intervention centers. Gotcha. And so what are some of the interventions that you guys talk about in your courses and on your Instagram page? Could you share some of those with our listeners here? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, you know, one of our courses is more geared toward toddlers and late talkers. And in that course, we focus on building a child's expressive language. So building their vocabulary, getting a child to climb what we call the language ladder, which is moving them from gestures into like making 
sounds into those first words, into combining two words together and then sentences and conversation and trying to get them up that hierarchy and also building a child's receptive language because that's really what comes first is a child's understanding of language. And we have this nice little picture in both of our courses, this visual that shows a ground and the ground is the receptive language. And then the expressive language ladder sits upon that ground because a child can only climb up the expressive language ladder and start talking only once that receptive language has been built and they actually understand those words. So, you know, our interventions are based upon language and just helping a child with that expressive and receptive language components. And it's really important for parents to understand what that foundation is and what it looks like so that they can start to help their little ones during their everyday routines. Some of the strategies that we talk about in our courses and even on Instagram are things like waiting, right? So we are always in a rush. We're always hurry, hurry, hurry. It's so easy to talk for our children. Even when we ask them a question, half the time we answer it for them because they didn't answer it quick enough, right? <laughs> so true. And so waiting is so powerful. It's really, really hard, but it is really powerful. And it's one of those things where parents will say to us, oh my gosh, I literally waited five seconds and my child said their first word. Wow. And, you know, so it's things like that, you know, repetition. So repeating words, the more your child hears a word, the more they will understand it and the greater chance they will start to say it. Right. And that brings me to another point, though, is I think some parents, and I don't know if I necessarily fall into this, I think I might talk to my kids more as an adult, like with adult language, and just assume Mm -hmm. that they know what I'm saying, just because I don't do the baby talk. But I know that some parents do the baby talk. Is that something that is harmful to child development? This is such a great question. So One way or the other. A lot. So there's a good baby talk and there's a not so good baby talk. So the good baby talk that, you know, you might hear about is what we call parent ease or mother ease or infant directed speech. And that is when a parent will use kind of a higher pitch, like sing-songy, exaggerated speaking style more so when you're talking to your baby. And this is actually great. It is a good type of baby talk because that's it good because I, I definitely it, talk to Hendrix like that. I'm like, oh, yes. Hendrix. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It's for many parents, it's natural. And what it does is it really captures your baby's attention. And so they do tend to learn language a little bit faster when you talk like that because they are attending to you and they love to hear that voice. Now, the not so good type of baby talk is when your child gets a little bit older. If you're, you can, of course, still use this type of sing songy voice with them, and that's good. But you want to always use correct grammar. And this is the type of baby talk yeah, that is articulation. Not, yes, exactly. So, like the right sounds and the right grammar. And so, when we hear parents not doing that, it's like, oh, that's not good. Cause, yeah. you know, so they might say, like, oh, you're so whittle. You're so whittle. And it's like, yeah. no, you should say little and actually say the word yeah. that you, you know. Or like um, for some reason when Henley, you know, she used to go to preschool 
more like nursery school, actually. She was two and she was at nursery school, which was basically like daycare for us. Sure. <laughs> and, um, yes. and she came home and someone from her classroom must have, she never called milk milky. And she oh. came home and she started calling it milky. And I, we were like, it's not milky, it's milk. And she was like, right. milky, I want milky. And we're like, when <laughs> you talk, like where did you learn that? <laughs> yes, yeah. that's that's funny. I have a 22-month-old, Stella, and she's lately been saying, huggy, can I have a huggy? And I never say that. So who knows? They pick it up somewhere, right? Yeah, I have so, no it's idea. Okay, you know, to name certain things, you know, maybe it's a passy or a lovey or things like that. That's okay. It's just, I think what you want to think about is, you know, you want to model the correct language for your child. So sure. you want them to learn correct grammar and correct articulation. And, you know, it's okay to be silly and have like pet names for things sometimes, but everything in moderation. And as they get older, of course, you know, talk to them more like an adult for sure, because yeah. that they're going to become that. I think it also comes down to the adults talking like adults and knowing how to properly use grammar <laughs> yeah, very true. in very most cases. True. Something else that I wanted to ask about was um, my daughter, Henley, she kind of has a lisp when she says her S's. And it almost seems like it's there sometimes and it's not there other times. So like she can say S, but then she also does like a th for her S's. Yeah. Is that something that may need some intervention or is that something that can just be worked through or is it just kind of like a age type thing? She's three, right? Yeah. She just turned three. She just turned three. Okay. And does she suck on a pacifier or a thumb or finger or anything? No, but she does kind of still enjoy sippy cups. And I don't know when, that's another question. Jeez, I have a lot of questions all of a sudden, but she, yeah. she still, she, I don't know when you just make her only use a straw or like a big girl cup, but she really enjoys the sippy cup. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so that actually could be attributing to the tongue thrust a bit. So um, that that tongue coming for that what you're calling a list. So that is a little bit of a tongue thrust. Yeah, improperly placing the tongue, you know, whether it's during drinking or during speaking. And sometimes it's super common. Just very, so you know, very common. very common. And we see it a lot with like pacifier users, yeah. um thumb suckers. Thumb suckers. Or if a child is, you know, using a bottle or sometimes the sippy spout does cause this as well. We actually just had a post in a blog that we put up on Friday all about this. And we do recommend using either a straw cup or an open cup, which would be like an open side sipping, you know, adult like cup. Uh -huh. because of the tongue placement. So it allows your child to kind of move their tongue into the correct swallowing posture and it allows them to have a, what we call mature swallow as okay. they are drinking. So what happens with the sippy spout is that a child's tongue is actually pushing the wrong way as they sip back, the tongue pushes forward. And so it's creating a thrust. And this is typical with, you know, babies and when they're nursing or drinking from a bottle, this is how their tongue is supposed to go. But as they get older, their swallow and their sucking pattern should change. And so sometimes when they are sucking on something like this, it doesn't change. And a lot of times it just takes time and taking that type of cup away and a little bit of time and she'll kind of work through it herself. She's mm -hmm. still young. Mm -hmm. My daughter, she sucked on a pacifier until almost three and she totally had that lisp. And, you know, one of the things I did say to her when I did take the pacifier away, I said, 
Riley, pretend your tongue is a snake and your teeth are the cage and you want to keep your teeth together, keep that cage closed and make sure that the snake stays back behind your teeth <laughs> in the cage. And it totally works. I might like, try that. <laughs> yeah, try it. It does yes. help sometimes. And then there's other kids who, you know, they can't kick it. And, you know, sometimes those children do need to go into speech therapy, but it is absolutely something that can be remediated through speech therapy if need be. Yes. And for your daughter, I mean, I'd say you have a couple of years. Yeah. She's got plenty of time yes. to kind of figure it out herself. Yeah. Well, first things first is I'm getting rid of those sippy cups now that you've actually said that because I guess I kind of knew, but I didn't really believe it. And just, yeah. didn't, I guess I didn't really know. But now that I've talked to you, I do know. And I'm, we're only going to get rid of the straw or the, the cups. You know, they have those like sippy cups that are cups though. And they're not like, there's no spout and there's yeah. no straw. Yes. I'll either use that because I mean, just a cup with no lid is just not going to, it's not going to happen. Well, I, yes, I know. That's not practical. Exactly. Yeah. Um, real fast, actually, I wanted to ask, when do you recommend switching from like that sippy cup with the spout kind of thing to like a straw or that other lid type cup? When do you recommend switching? So we usually recommend actually moving to like a little open cup. We like the easy peasy cup as soon as you're weaning off the bottle. And you could even offer those open cups as early as like six months old. Really? Um, and then, or, or the straw cup Or too. the straw cup too. Around the time you transition off of the bottle or breast, um, just moving directly to the opener straw. Or no when kidding. your child starts eating solids and you want to offer a little bit of water. Research shows that those sippy type cups, which by the way, all three of my kids had. <laughs> right. So it's more like recent research actually that just shows that it's very similar to a bottle. Um, yeah. And so their sucking pattern is very similar to how they would be drinking from a bottle and that a straw is just so much better or that open cup. So the Honey Bear is another cup that it's a straw cup and it's great because it kind of teaches kids how or babies even how to drink from a straw. So mm -hmm. you can squeeze it and the liquid will go up and then they learn how to suck from a straw. Okay, good to know. Because we have yes. all of this on our Instagram or we have a blog about it. Yeah, too. Blog. Yes. the blog is like the ultimate guide to transitioning your child from a bottle to a cup. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. 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 Before we chat about your courses and your page, which I definitely want to get to, I just wanted to ask you another question. So about our daughter. <laughs> yes. Um, I hope this. Is, I hope that this helps those of you guys listening too, because you know, of course, I want this to be helpful to everybody. But just since I have you on, I was dying to ask you, ladies. Since we had Hendrix, he just turned four months old, and she has definitely regressed with speaking. I mean, she never talked like a baby. Like she didn't whine very often. She just. I don't know. She was like a very mature two-year-old. And then we had our son and it's like now she kind of whines a lot. She definitely talks like a baby. It's definitely noticeable. Like, I mean, I know that she knows how to talk, you know, more profoundly, I, I could say. Like she even says like goo goo gaga, like literally those words, <laughs> goo goo gaga. And I'm like, yeah. where did you learn this? And you've never said goo goo gaga. And you're <laughs> like, what is going right? on? It's so common. So common. What so do I do to help is, her though? So, I mean, just a little like psychology behind it. She wants to be like the baby again, you know? And yeah. so that's why she's, you know, talking a little bit of the baby talk and yeah. all that, the whining. I mean, I've seen it with all my kids. Yeah. And it taps a little bit more into like the behavioral stuff, I think, more than speech because we know she is able right. to do that. Right. You know, it's not that she can't do it. You've seen it. You know, it's in there. 
but they kind of sometimes have that little bit of regression and sometimes it can be a bit like attention seeking. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I've been going through this with my son too. Like he'll go, Google Gaga, I'm a baby. And the same as he's four. And I'll just say, okay, like I'll ask him, do you want to pretend play babies right now? But if we're not pretend playing babies, you're Ben and you're a big boy. And, you know, I just read your four. But, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And yeah, I was just going to say, because on that note of like pretending to be a baby, she'll hand me her cup and she'll say, mommy, I'm going to cry. And then you're going to give me my bottle (laughs) and she'll she'll sit down in this chair that's a infant to toddler rocker. And so she can sit in it, but so could Hendrix. And so she'll sit in that and she'll say, and then I'll give her the cup. And I'm like, is this healthy? Am I like encouraging her to have this like speech regression or? No, I think in that case, it is absolutely healthy. I mean, I would just try to broaden the pretend play spectrum and not only play that. But if she's trying to, you know, pretend she's a baby and then maybe you go get dolls and you can pretend, you know, they're your babies and make them cry and you can expand the pretend play with it, then I think it's a great thing. And then just try to have other things that you're pretending as well. Yeah. You know, you could sometimes do that, but other times you could say, let's both get a baby doll and let's pretend we're mommies and, you know, spin it the other yeah, way that's so a that good she, idea. you can play up. Right. Um, or let's cook and you can, you know, help mommy cook and we're big girls. Let's cook together or mm-hmm. something like that to really, you know, emphasize how cool it is to be a big girl, you know? Yeah. Such, exactly. And also like kind of nurture her because Doug and I are both well aware of this. Like she is definitely begging for attention. She was our whole entire world, the center of our universe. And then of course this baby came and yes. inevitably our center now has two focuses and she's not the only one. And so, you know, we're trying to nurture her as best as we can, but also like in a healthy way. I mean, it's also healthy that she isn't the only center of our universe because that's not practical in life, you know? Right. So of course, like we're well aware of that, but we also just, you know, her sweet little soul, like we want her to know, you know, that she's still so loved and she's just as important and all the things. So I like that idea. Um, I think that this is relatable to everybody listening. At least it is for sure for us. So we call our daughter Gracie and Henley. Her name's Henley Grace. And she's always been Gracie to me because she really is like my little saving grace. I don't know if you know, you know, we lost our first baby boy. And so then she came and she literally like filled a hole in my heart. And she's just been my little saving grace. And I just have always called her Gracie from the moment she was born. And, you know, we also call her Henley. That's her name. Uh, And she does respond to both just fine. But I'm curious if you think that that could be confusing for a child to have, you know, a very consistent like nickname and like regular name? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what we hear oftentimes from parents or what we see is many times kids will have nicknames that are almost like a little bit more like pet names. That's what we see most frequently. Like we have many parents who will call their kids like Bubba. And right. sometimes we'll tell parents like that can become a little bit confusing if you're only using those pet names and your child doesn't necessarily even know their real name. Because I think when it becomes a little bit of an issue is, you know, when your child's going to start going to daycare or preschool, they need to know what name their teacher's calling them, what name to respond to. If they're called upon, what name do they use? If they're in trouble and need to ask, you know, a police officer 
officer for help, what name do they use? So I think that it's totally fine to have two names. Absolutely. Um, But just knowing in cases like that, once school comes, you know, which name is it? Or maybe it's both. Yeah. Yeah, And maybe, you know, it's mommy and daddy, you know, at home, we call you Gracie. And, but when you go to school, your teachers and your friends will call you Henley, or maybe they'll call her Gracie too. But, you know, as she gets a little bit older and does go to school, you want to try to make it a little more clear cut. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, she, she can spell Henley. She can't spell Gracie yet, but we're working on it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> and, and both of those names are so beautiful. Yeah, we love them. But before we let you go, because we are just now starting to teach our daughter how to write letters and the difference between upper and lowercase, but sounding out the words, what's some advice that you have for parents that are trying to teach kids to read out loud, especially when they're trying to pronounce things? Any tips or tricks that would be great? We really emphasize the importance of functional language first. So for babies and you know young toddlers, we like to teach them the words that they need to help them get their wants and needs met throughout the day. So the real important words, you know, mama, dada, help, more, up, down, open, close, things like that. Once kids have mastered those words and met their milestones, and if, you know, you as a parent want to go on and teach academic language, that's amazing. I think one really important thing is, you know, you teach the ABCs, you teach the letter names, but the letter sounds are actually more important. Okay. That is what enables you to be able to read or spell. Very good point. Um, So as much as a child does need a, they need to know the name of a letter. It's really, really important that they know the sound as well. I have a really, really great tip for anybody listening. And maybe you ladies, I don't know if you know about this or not, but Henley has learned the sound of every single letter. And I would love to take credit for it and say that I like sat down (laughs) with her daily and practiced, but I didn't. She actually watched, she calls it the quote unquote frogs on Netflix. It's called the Leap Factory on Netflix. Yeah. It's free. No, it's the Leap Frog, Leap I think. Frog. is Frog. Yeah, yeah, Leap Frog is the, uh, the brand. And then it's the Alphabet Factory is the title of the show. And my daughter will watch that like once a day. And I don't feel like it's bad because she's learning. She yeah. has literally learned the sounds of every single letter. And so... If anyone out there is, I don't know, struggling with that or don't know how to do it, I mean, that's how we did it with my daughter. That's and amazing. Yeah, for real. Like, it really worked. and It was just so easy for us. And then the other thing I would say is, like, how we taught Henley to know how to spell her name was we made it a song. We made it H-E-N-L-E-Y. That yes. spells Henley. And then she just learned that song. And so now we say, yeah. how do you spell your name? And she'll just sing it. And we're like, yep, that's it. that's it. So I don't know. Is that yes. something that you recommend as well? It's a great way yes. to do it. That's amazing. So that's kind of goes back to that whole baby talk sing songy. I'm telling you, it, it like taps into another mm-hmm. side of the brain. And but it, she's it, a terrible, she is a terrible singer. So it really doesn't work well. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much her, but more like me when I try to sing. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I guess that is the sing songy thing. Yeah. Yes. And there are actually some songs like on YouTube Kids. I think Little Baby Bum, I oh, think yes. has a video and it says like, ah, ah, ah. 
Yes. Fall and yes. they break it down. And those are great too. You know, as parents, obviously there's so much controversy and, you know, conflict around screen time, mm-hmm. but there are some things out there. If you sit with your little one and you're involved in it, it can be really, really powerful in teaching them some of these letters and shapes and such. Absolutely. Especially when, you know, like we didn't, like me, I didn't go to school to teach any of this stuff. I have no idea how to do it. So I'll just be like, I have no shame in being like, my girl, she learned that from Netflix the leapfrog yes. factory, whatever that is. Exactly. I am proud of her and yes. I'm okay with it. Uh, whatever but, it takes. Yes, exactly. And so and another way though, like if I, you know, wanted to be an exceptional, exceptional mama, <laughs> I would probably take a course or two. I mean, really. And I, I feel like courses are so helpful, especially now with COVID. I feel like we all have learned like the power of, of digital courses and being able to access these things without having to go to like an actual brick and mortar building. And that's so amazing that you ladies have actually created two courses that are available online where you can teach, where you know parents can learn to help their own child without having to go someplace and risk getting COVID or any other God knows what else out there. Yes. Um, <laughs> where can everyone find your courses and like more information about you ladies, your blog and your uh, Instagram? So on Instagram, we are at Speech Sisters, and then the rest of it's all on our website, speechsisters.com. And we have two courses on there, one that is for parents who have babies, um, newborn to 14 months. It's called Talk on Track, and it helps parents help their little ones meet those early communication milestones, like moving through what we call the noisy steps from cooing to babbling and into those first words. And then our second course is for parents of toddlers ages, you know, 15 to 36 months. And it helps parents of toddlers get their little ones talking and building their vocabulary and moving from those first words into starting to combine those words together. So how about parents from like 30 to 40? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not yet. It will do something in the works. Yeah. <laughs> Can you help us out over here? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's been oh. great, though. I mean, it's we feel so blessed to have had something like this out pre-COVID because there have been so many families whose little ones are late to talk and they weren't able to go for those early intervention services as they would um, for an 18-month or a two-year-old. And these parents were starting to have to do like virtual speech therapy with an 18-month-old and they're like, this is not working. Yeah. We've had hundreds of families, you know, use our course for that and it made a world of difference. So we just feel blessed. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that all those families feel blessed too. So thank you <laughs> ladies for putting the work in and for offering these courses. And to those of you guys listening, as you can tell, these ladies are amazing. I absolutely love them. I actually follow them on Instagram and love them. I mean, I think that's how I get most of my guests on the podcast is I follow them on Instagram. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you guys want to, like they said, their Instagram handle is at speech sisters and in the bio that you guys have a link, right? For your, yes, we for do. your uh, yes. website and whatnot. So yeah, so you can find everything there and highly recommend them. I love them. I love their practical tips and ladies, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you thank both. You. This has been so fun. Okay, bye guys. <laughs> Oh, they are, first of all, I cannot tell them apart. Like there's just, I cannot tell them apart at all. I can't all. believe they're, are they related? They're sisters, Doug. Oh, they are sisters. Come on, okay. are you kidding me? Their handle is at speech sisters. Yeah, but sometimes they could be like sisterhood. Oh like, yeah, that's true. I, don't know. I honestly, even looking at them, they kind of look like twins. 
I'm like, which one? Are you guys twins? (laughs) (laughs) They both talk the same. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, I always wanted Gracie to have a sister close in age so that they could be like best friends like Brooke and Bridget Mm -hmm. from Speech Sisters. But She has a couple dolls. But now she has a brother and he doesn't look a thing like her. Well, he screeches like a woman, so it's kind of (laughs) close. That's true. That's true. But anyways, we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We absolutely love podcasting and hanging out with you guys every single week. I tell you every single week, but that's because I mean it every single week. We love you guys. I hope you have an amazing week. Wash your hands. Wear your face mask. Yeah, wear a mask and wash your hands again twice and just do your part, you know? Be nice to human beings. Yeah, and Doug, where can everyone find us if they want to find us? You can go to Instagram at Jamie and Otis or at Doug Hainer, but of course you can follow everything Hot Marriage Cool Parents by going to that handle at Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Yes, and we also wanted to tell you next week it is going to be epic. Why? It's going to be so good. It's a surprise. All right, guys, have a good week. We love you. Bye.